You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Okay. Okay. You. Too much dip. The distance between that first button and that second button is a little space I leave for the memory of David Ruff. As he is not physically present with us, he is still within our hearts. A very brief moment of silence for the absence of one Dave Ruff. <laughs> one that can't be filled uh, in any other way besides just getting the hell out of the way. But uh, I'm one of your hosts, KJ Ellis, joined alongside the absolute goaded, one of the rowdy <laughs> no. gentlemen, the one and only, Dylan Shivery. What's up, Dylan? Wow. Uh, I don't know what to make of that introduction, but I do appreciate being introduced first feels great button free dc is how they know you in san antonio right well, twice in a row i got introduced first i guess only when days out huh <laughs> anyway i'm very happy to be here man we're finding the common theme and uh you having to wait your turn in intros is uh not present today <laughs> i don't know what to do with myself anymore but i am happy to be here ready to talk some sports action uh kind of a, a sneaky fun sports weekend actually. yeah and and we'll get to it but it might be I won't say it's one of our last sneaky fun sports weeks, but uh, things will get a little off kilter here in the in the coming weeks, if you will. But the man who is always on kilter, you know, he he called me the other day. He's like, "Hey, just make sure when I'm on with you guys, you let him know that I stay kilted." One and only Will DeFreeze. What's up? I saw a guy yesterday walking down the street, and he was just wearing a kilt. Was he looking for a uh, place that served bangers and mash and meat pies? I don't know what he was doing, but at the same time, as I walked out of the restaurant that I was in, sweating, just really hot, <laughs> wishing that I could air some things out, all I could do was look at him and think like, damn, I, I kind of wish I had that kilt on right now. I don't think it's kilt season. Is it? I know it's airy under there, right? But it feel, it's long. And it's, what is it made out of wool? What are they made out of? I don't know. Probably wool. I, don't, I feel like it's not Scottish kilt, wool. It's not kilt season. You, it's kilt season. You don't think uh, moisture wicking fabric has gone to uh, the kilted? Um, I don't. I don't think it's made its way to uh, kilts quite yet. No. Like, are you caber tossing uh, with like some athleisure or some athletic wear kilts? Like, if I can get that reflective material, like Pharrell's worn a suit made of that reflective material to a, a red carpet once. Like, if I could get that as a kilt. I'm not saying I'd rock it, but I'm not saying I'd, like, send it back. Are we that far off from, like, Outdoor Voices releasing, like, a men's kilt okay. for summertime wear that's just airy as hell? Yeah, I think we are. <laughs> you don't think you don't think that men's tennis skirts are the next wave? I don't think they're having meetings about kilts quite yet, no. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, before we get into all our sports talk, make sure you hit us up on the dip line, which you can find us at 88, I'm sorry, not 888, 833-371-DIP. Two P's. Two P's. 833-371-3477. Look at Dippy just shooting that J. Man, Adam, quick on the quick on the draw over there. I love it. I love that graphic so much. Dippy is goaded. Uh, keep an eye out in 2022 or 2023 for the Dippy dog toys. You know, a lot a lot goes into the production due to the semiconductor chip, the chip shortage. I'm sorry? The Dippy chip shortage that uh -huh. you've been hearing all about. On uh, your international news, uh, you know, outlets. That's why we don't have dog toys for Dippy yet. If there's one way to get too much dip on your chip, it's by having a, a chip shortage. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. 
Um, followed too much dip at too much dip with two P's on Twitter, too much dip podcast on Instagram only. And if you followed meat smokers only this weekend, you saw exactly one photo of the sizzle fest I put on for my familia. I apologize for leaving the crowd wanting. It was an absolute scene, but be there for the next one picture saga, uh, on meat smokers only and I on IG and, uh, keep an eye on next week. we got a little, uh, meat smokers only takeover. Uh, likely happening with this friend of the who's show, Brick. Brick. Yeah, Brick? people will just have to learn more about it. It would take way too long to explain him. Uh, but Mason Brick on Twitter, you can find him. Uh, putting on quite a scene with a little pop-up burger show going on next week. Is he find doing him. this at his home? He's doing this in Deep Ellum, actually. So thank you for saying that because I've, so, I've not even mentioned that this is public in Dallas, Texas. Uh, you can go purchase some, like, basically farm to your mouth, uh, Akiyashi burgers and deep ellum next week so what week. you're saying is that it's not happening at bricks <laughs> house okay he's mighty mighty oh, what are you doing man he's doing something making me regret that i'm not quicker on the draw on this board it's a brick squad dude he's part of the brick squad for sure they used to then they call you brick squad on your freshman basketball team okay okay did they <laughs> Will's just staring me down. Everyone knows <laughs> that I was not on the freshman basketball team. I was on the seventh grade basketball team, and I made I made the A team. Damn, man. I could have been a part of Club Zero, probably. You I don't think you. I was getting a lot of time. You know that was You're not that guy, pal. Trust me. You're not that guy. Okay. Is that what the coach told yeah. you? You know that team was sick if Will's on the A team in seventh grade. They were just, like, lighting up the scoreboard. Dude, they needed a five-foot-eight. <laughs> like, I had hit my growth spurt, and I was primed to be the down – the, the presence Dude, down there. Like, I just needed it. Handles like Van Axel over here. <laughs> high socks and all. Knee high socks uh-huh. and all. That's Catch sick. me in my jock strap doing jock things. Okay. Damn, dog. They called me Young Jock. Uh, no one, again, no one's calling you that. No one called Somebody me that. in the northern Michigan area has probably never said that. If, yeah. if you, all you guys had on jock straps, why would they just single you out as the, the jock guy? Because they, they saw. They saw what I was working with on the, the back back end of that, and they were like, damn, Will's got a thick ass booty for being in seventh okay. grade. And I was like, thank you. Wow. I, I have nothing more to offer to, the, to this conversation, yeah. I don't think. The dude excels at having, you know, new tabs back there, thick-ass booties, if you will. Oh, my God. Anyhow, if Will's here, you know that only means one thing, non-domestic sports action. Uh, as Will says. He only he, watches sports abroad. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's all he can does. You, I don't, can you imagine me watching a domestic <laughs> league at this point? Could not be me. Mm. Yeah, just like Kepka and his steaks. Only, only foreign. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can't consume a sport that originated uh, domestically. First off, we had a little bit of controversy uh, internally by me knowing when the hell the British Grand Prix was. Once that was uh, explained to the world uh, and realized it was last weekend, uh, the lads circled the track out in some part of Britain, of which won't be named. But uh, they had a new format this week, the sprint race format. Were you aware going into the Grand Prix schedule that they were changing things up in Britain? I knew that they were going to do this at some point. I was not aware that it was going to sneak up on us so fast that it was going to be Saturday. I was very confused when I was on my timeline on Friday and I saw that qualifying had completed. And yes. I was like, uh, so it was a race on Saturday? And I, I, was, I was pretty shook. I wasn't expecting this to happen so quickly. But if we've learned anything about F1, they will make changes very quickly and not tell anybody. The schedule's been uh, a little bit fluid this year, not just due to the ongoing global pandemic um, but mostly due to the ongoing global pandemic, like dropping races in countries that have restrictions or cases are too high, adding new um, races to the schedule. Fingers crossed that maybe we get more than one U.S. Uh, race. Looks unlikely at this point in the game, but who knows? 
But what they did in Britain is basically, I guess the traditional format is that you have free practice on Friday, qualifying on Saturday, and then the race on Sunday. Is right. That about correct. I believe that's correct. Um, essentially <laughs> got rid of the free practice day and made that qualifying, as Will mentioned. And then on Saturday, they did a hundred kilometer race which typical grand prix are 300 kilometers nobody could know how much that is in miles yeah so this race is a 25 to 30 minute race a very, quickie if you very will. quick little guy um are you guys fans of this format 17 laps i can't decide if i am as a, if i was a driver i would hate this format i think well it depends what car you're in well sure if i'm in a mercedes or a red bull i'm all about this format but you you essentially have to qualify twice for the sunday race mm-hmm. yeah which, which is kind of stinks yeah it did introduce a little bit of excitement of like the strategy of now you don't have pit stops on Saturday. It's a 17 lap situation, so maybe you don't even need a full tank of gas. You may not want to have, you know, fresh tires. I guess Verstappen actually had a little bit of issue with sitting on the grid on Saturday because he qualified in pole position on Friday, but sitting the grid uh, a little too long to where his brakes were actually on fire um, as he was just. These Waiting on things set up. I, I guess I didn't see it live. Yeah. Those aren't the lyrics. Why can you sing, but I can't? I, I'm just pointing out that you got the lyrics wrong. I, His brakes were on fire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. The, uh, the race, again, 17 laps. All of the excitement apparently was kind of bottled up in the first lap on Saturday. We'll get to Sunday here in a moment. Verstappen got off to a good start. Held pole position, held first position, finished first. Got the points. They gave away, I guess, six points for Saturday. Yep. So three for three, first two place, and one. two and one. Yep. Um, Hamilton finished second. And then I don't think Botas finished third. It was uh, whatever. You can go find it if you care that much who finished third on Saturday. Sunday, I was locked into and, and engaged with. I uh, fired off two or three different group text messages about F1. And never had I felt dumber about sending one to our group text because, if anything, I was like, I'm not alerting anybody to shit because you know the boys are already tuned in. And if they weren't, they were riding, you know. I was on a little mini vacay, so I was actually not tuned in. Um, I, I'm a little embarrassed to say I, I caught a little recap of the wreck. Yeah. On uh, J Bone, J Bone's new. <laughs> God, <laughs> don't, don't, don't make. Dude, Formula Bone, what's it called? F Bone. F Bone. Don't something. make Formula Bone your number one source. No, it's for not number one source, but he explained the wreck, which I had not seen him to that point. He, so I, I hate to say this. Up. He actually did a really good job. He did, it of wasn't terrible. It, down. it wasn't I, a terrible explanation. I respect the man who sits down and writes uh, pretty consumable recap of the race. However, I have not reached the point of respecting the nation of Formula Bone. Um, so for those who are not familiar with the uh, events of Sunday, lap one became quite spicy. As I mentioned, the first lap was where all the excitement was on Saturday. And that was because essentially there was a lot of jostling for position. They went wheel to wheel on Saturday. Ultimately, Verstappen came out on top. But right out of the gate, Lewis Hamilton showed a little bit of you know his experience and uh, skill in terms of being able to catch a couple solid slipstreams. Is that correct? I did. It sounds sure. right. You know, the hell's a slipstream? It's a stream that you slip into. You know, uh, you're getting a little wild and, you know, uh, anyways. I learned something new about the sport every every episode. We I want to say it, it's similar to drafting, whatever. You okay. Know, catching some, uh, you know. Drafting? Drafting. <laughs> Is it a bad Clips that's remix? A, yeah, it's a Clips remix. I respect that. 
Uh, but I thought you were doing Trap Queen. We could also do that. <laughs> 1738. <laughs> yeah, you hear about him all the time. Um, Lewis Hamilton basically put himself in a position where he was way more competitive with Max Verstappen, who we've known has had a faster vehicle all year. Went wheel to wheel. And coming out of one of the more, I won't say dangerous turns, but certainly one of the more problematic turns on this course, depending on who you're asking, what angle they're looking at, who they prefer or who their preference of driver is or who they like more, you're going to hear a different answer. But Hamilton was driving very aggressively, but I don't know was the cause of the wreck. Aside from your recap from J-Bone or your you know intake of the crash, do either of you have any strong opinions of quote unquote who may have been at fault here? Um, as a novice, it looked like the the inside line he took was he took it too aggressively. Um, I don't know the ins and outs of the sport to weigh in on like a you know technical high a high level order. technical level. Um, but it looks like he knew what he was doing a little bit. It looked like he knew that that his move would create contact. Um, yeah, that's where I stand. I'm a Verstappen fan. People know that about me. I ride for Max. Rax, Max rides for me. Uh, there's never, yeah, there's never going to be a point in my life where I think that both of these guys don't know exactly what they're doing every single inch that they go on the track. Like, right. they know exactly what's happening. After the race, there was an interview with Lewis, and he was talking about how there was some banging of tires earlier on in the race and how it was kind of like old school and how people like seeing that, but maybe it wasn't his fault, blah, blah, blah. Uh, do, did I want to see Max go out on the first lap? No. So I'm going to blame this on Lewis for just making it a completely you know, non-competitive race. I guess it was. It was very competitive and mm -hmm. when it was all said and done. But you, you take out Max, who's in pole position, it just gets less fun. So I'm going to ride with Max on and this And Hamilton one. was given a penalty, right? He was. So oh, that, that means penalty. that the officials deemed it to be an illegal move. His fault. Yeah, His those blokes are at fault. shit, though. So that that's telling, I guess. I, I don't think you can give him like a some huge penalty because then that kind of just reduces the entire race in general. I don't know if it being in the UK, uh, Lewis's home country. I don't know if that has anything. He to got do a with ten that. second penalty, correct? He did. I I don't really know, and I like you said, I don't know enough about the sport to know you know what you're supposed to do in those positions. I will say the opening lap up until that point was one of the most exciting uh, ex like yes. periods. It was only, what, 30 seconds before the crash happened? It was an absolutely electric 30 seconds of figuring out who's going to jockey and get in first. I was absolutely loving it until Max until hit the wall. Until your boy went out. Yeah. yeah. It I mean, was a prime example of how great the announcers are for F1. Almost better than any other sport where they're not only doing the play-by-play -play or not like explaining what's going on, but they're explaining the strategy at such a high speed that you're watching, you know, you can watch two cars jockeying for position and understand what's going on, but they're explaining he has to leave space to the left, you know, full car's length and all of this. They're breaking it down at such a high rate to where if it's your first race, you still understand that it isn't just you know, so sorry for you, too bad, as it would be like in NASCAR, you know, aside from like intentional spinning somebody out, you know, uh, the whole rubbing his racing lives that exists in NASCAR, NASCAR, like you see this and it's like, all right, well, sorry, dude, it just sucks. Like, that's not how things go in F1, obviously. Um, and I appreciated being able to learn all of this on the fly from the little bit of experience we do have. As is expected, I think Max uh, probably shouldn't have turned his car into the front of Hamilton's car. It's just unfortunate. I'm very happy he's okay. 
you know, I guess we all, because you know, somewhat goes without saying here. I'm glad that they took moments to wait until they cut to the car in the wall to make sure he was moving, make sure he was hopping out of the car, make sure, you know, I'm not trying to tune into F1 for, like, with the hopes of seeing somebody's mangled body in a wall. Like, NASCAR, sure. you're kind of excited to see Rex, mostly because, you know, uh, whatever. I'm not going to finish that thought. <laughs> um, but F1, for some reason, I feel like the fact of knowing these kids are, 18, 21, 23, 24, um, and literate that, uh, you, you want more for them than, than other racing sports. And literate? Uh, I, I meant that in like, you know, mm -hmm. the biblical sense. I don't know. I like, I like <laughs> Anyhow, I, I'm glad that he's okay. I did not think that it was like Hamilton's fault as much as some people seem convinced that it was, but Hamilton has found himself in these situations quite often. And when you're in the lead or, you know, leading that many laps over a career, of course, you're going to be a mix up in some shit. It's more aggressive there than it might be for people who find themselves, you know, finishing the middle of the pack. So we had to win the race by 10 seconds or more in mm -hmm. order to claim first place, which, which he, he did. did. Yep. Um, which is a big time for the points there, man. I mean, he, he gained quite if a I, bit. Unless I'm mistaken, that he served his penalty in the pits, correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I you see. pit, wait 10 seconds, no, you then you get to go you off. flat out win the race. And so then. it became okay. clear about halfway through the race that, okay, based on how this is all panning out, Lewis is going to end up passing Leclerc and, and winning this race. And so... But he still had to, cons you know, account for that time. He pit or not, like... You know, uh, there were opportunities, like, let's say you're trying to serve in a pit and, you know, a Valtteri Bottas situation happens, like, and shit just goes wrong. You, you just don't have a tire? You yeah. have a tire welded to your, <laughs> to your fucking car for the rest of the time? So, it's, I'm, uh, again, I'm, I'm happy in the sense of, like, the feeling of knowing that things are, like, predetermined, not predetermined, like, but almost predestined to be a Max Verstappen year. I don't want wire-to-wire -wire success. Like, I'd rather it be somewhat competitive towards the end of the year. It's not going to be for the championship. But week in, week out, a finish that's other than Max is on the pole, I don't want him to wreck. But, you know, let, let's keep the drama going uh, on, on the podium. I'm still I mean, trying to decide whether I, I want, like, more parity in the sport or, I en or do I enjoy it being, like, a, a two-guy race the whole season where it's just – makes it easier to Where it's just the American sure. team finishing in last place and then it's, like, Mercedes <laughs> – Red Bull at the top every single time. It's kind of fun. And but then a bunch of the Joy Boys on Twitter just cheering for Lando out of nowhere. Yeah. Everyone – like, I, I love Lando too. A sneaky Lando win every now and then. But I'm, I'm kind of tired of people just loving Lando so much. Like, everyone loves him so much that it almost makes me want to turn on him, but he's so likable that I'm like, no, nah, I still just very much like him. And he's finishing in points like every single race at this point. Well, also occurring in Britain, a non-domestic event – if I say the British Open, will you guys get more or less upset? I don't care. Chad Some people will care, but off? I don't. It's it, on you, man. Like, it, if there are a bunch of British people, like, like, what if we called the U.S. Open the Open, and then a bunch of British people were like, no, it's the U.S. Open. Oh, they would lose their, their – they would go mental on us. What if we called it the Open with a D -A? The Open. The Open. <laughs> I don't hate that. Just an idea. Let's float that out to the people. Somewhere along the line, I transitioned to calling it the Open. I don't love that I do that, but I do it. I call it the British Open for no other reason than just to clarify that everyone knows exactly what I'm talking about. Because I've never – like, if you say the Open, there might be someone at that group dinner who, like, looks over and is like, what, what, what are you guys talking about real quick? Like, yeah. No, you know, oh, the, the British golf, Open. The golf tournament in the UK. Not the tennis tournament. Because that throws me off, too. Is there not a U.S. Open that's tennis? Yes, there is. That, that bugs the hell out of me. 
It's, I mean, it's the U.S. and it's open. That's the thing about it. Yeah. And then there's the open U.S. Tournament. Open Golf Tournament. Dude, how many golf tournaments get to take place in Sandwich, though? That's kind of sick. I enjoyed that all week. I'm a child, and I love looking at a map of Britain or of England. Um, yeah, obviously, Dude. same thing. And then seeing all the names of the towns, like, oh, they invented the word bridge. You know, whatever. Just some bullshit name of a town, and then it's like a big deal here. Like well, Sandwich. Tell people what you said about the course, though, man. Royal St. George. What, what about it? I believe you called it mid. When did I call it mid? Did I call it mid to you? Dude, on Friday. During Coffee Friday, we were watching it. Okay, so my initial reaction to the course, when I saw an aerial view, I was like, whatever. Like, I guess this is just some link-style course on the water. The more I watched the tournament from, you know, the, the golfer's perspective, okay. the more that I was in on it. But I will say, I was not that impressed with the course when I first saw it. I will it. die on the hill that <laughs> says... Link style courses, generally speaking, are not very aesthetically pleasing compared to Augusta National. For, for me, it's all about how they paint the picture They're, during coverage. If they can paint me a different picture of the course and it's just like some boring Link style course just, that we don't get in America. It's just grass. Yeah. Wide open fields and grass and wind. Like, I know the golf's completely different and there's a lot of history behind it, but from just aesthetically, purely aesthetics, it's eh. Eh. You like big, you're a tree guy. I'm a tree guy. You like big trees. I'm a tree guy, and I'm uh, and I want I want more water on my courses. <laughs> That's fine. I know there's an ocean next to it, but the, the water doesn't come into play. Well, yeah, but what about the cliffs that they showed like a million different views of? The cliffs are cool, but then it's not part of the course. Big water, op ocean. You know water. what I'm saying? Uh, they should have had a flop that. shot contest of who could get a flop shot over the cliff. That's sick. Just see who can do That's it. That's super sick. You know Phil's anyway, going to be out there just opening the face up. I know some some people who want to be taken seriously about their golf takes are going to come at me. I don't really care. Yeah, it's a nice track, dude. No, it's a sick dude, track. Yeah, go have fun playing at your – shut up. What? <laughs> dude, it's no, anyway, line, it's no Lions Municipal, that's I for I do sure. love the Open, though. It is my second favorite tournament. I've always said that. Do you want my take? Yeah. You ready for my take? Are the we... British Open, which I'll be calling it the British Open. Wow. The British Open is my favorite major of the year. That's okay. I love it. I have no problem with that. I love early golf. I love waking up in the morning and watching. I love uh, just the different styles of every course that they play. I mean, I know they're all like a lot of them are mostly link style courses, but I think it's interesting to see different styles of play on these different courses. I think the fits that we get during these these tournaments are just next level. We're seeing quarter zips that have never been busted out in public before. <laughs> And any time that we can see that, I'm very happy about it. And you like the idea of getting pints with the lads after a, a round of golf. If you can get meat pies with the lads after and maybe a pint to wash it all down, I'm not going to poo-poo that. Imagine getting, a, imagine getting a meat pie and not washing out with a pint. It sounds great. Stupid. There is a there is a 5% chance that I try to make next year happen. There's a 5% chance I, I try to go along with you. Old course? Are you kidding me? Is that where it is? It's the home of golf. Let's go. Yeah, we're doing St. Andrews next year. If I do, if I do go over there for a golf tournament, it's going to be a St. Andrews. Yeah, I mean, it has to be. It's got it. Some people say that St. Andrews is goaded. Like, are you serious? Who won this tournament? Colin Morikawa. Colin Morikawa won. Um, I did want to make sure I forced in the joke that Natalie Maines and the Dixie Chicks, aka the Chicks, would appreciate the wide open spaces that Links courses offer. I was also workshopping that, that as well. We've passed that moment. <laughs> I just uh, my brain fried once I heard uh, more praise for the concept of coffee and golf or just morning time golf because nothing that golf guy loves bragging about. 
Yeah. Oh man, it just smells so good to be up at 6 a.m. watching some golf. I did a I did a coffee coffee and golf tweet myself, and I don't think people took it as being ironic based on the interactions that it did. And I was, like people were doing it in solidarity with me, and I was like, oh, I was kind of making fun of the people that uh, love it so much. Stop mowing the grass, watching golf, could life be better? Um, the two things that uh, came out of this tournament that caught my attention: one, mostly my own opinions and thoughts ahead of time. You know, go figure, narcissism and whatnot. Uh, your boy tried to tell the crowd 40 to one odds on Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, Colin Morikawa, and Victor Hovland. I said this. Oh, so you week. just grouped a whole bunch of guys. In I together picked and one of them four out of hit. 15 and I said, put your money on all four of them. If you would have sprinkled $10 a pop here, you're coming home with plus 390. Uh, I have three main takeaways from this tournament. Number one, Go ahead. Jordan Spieth is kind of back. He is yeah. striking the ball very well. He's, hitting his driver with a lot of confidence, which you love to see. He's knocking down putts. Uh, he made a big-time charge on Sunday. Well, he, he, he charged oh, on Sunday. His, his Marcar was too strong. His putt to end on uh, Saturday was tough. Yeah, it was. Like, um, that, that, kind of, that was a very deflating moment. But um, his, his game is strong again, man. He's he's very close to winning another one. Very not worried close. about Jordan. I'm not I'm worried not about him. I've been a noted that. Jordan Spieth. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't say I ever hated Jordan Spieth, but I hated when he was playing so poorly that every tournament, no matter how he started, people were just talking about Jordan Spieth the yeah. entire time. Part, I was just like, Dad, can we give him a little space to breathe? Yeah, like, I'm ready for the the, the comeback story. Mm-hmm. He's 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 making a move, and I love it. Yeah. My second takeaway. Some point on Saturday, I want to say we had Spieth, Scheffler, and Fratelli all in. I think the top ten at D-frat. some point. Defrat, uh, three Longhorns in the top top three of contention, in contention, I should say, at a major, which you love to see. Kind of cool. Shout out to uh, Kevin cool. Kisner. I don't know if y'all saw the note that he finished his uh, mm-hmm. Sunday round in two and a half hours. He was, so, a, really? he was, he was the, the first, first man to go off, and he just scorched through the round. He, did, he, did he play shot solo? Shot 68, yeah. I or, think he did play solo. I'm not sure if he was solo or not, but his name was the only one that showed up, and I, I assume you've got to. Maybe tight. he had one of those guys. That, what's, the, what's the name of the guy? Or Isn't there one guy at Augusta, or is it just one slot for, like, a member, where if they have an odd number after the cut, he gets to go play? Yeah. Like, maybe they had one of those guys here, but, I mean, if Kisner's down to go play 18 and two and a half hours, it's like, all right, let's fucking grind. Let's do it. Move. Like, like, it's an advantage to play solo. Uh, I mean, I guess maybe, but at the same time, you're also the first person to tee off on the last day of the tournament, which means that like any advantage doesn't really help you. He just wanted to finish so he could go start pounding pints. He's, he got one smell of the of Guinness, Britain. and he was like, yeah, I, yeah, I, I could I could use a Frosty Boy in I will be finished by 11 a.m. today. I'm out of okay, here. Okay, gross. You didn't <laughs> yeah. need to go that far. Okay. <laughs> um, the third main oh, takeaway sorry, is that – no, No, you're fine. Uh, the, the Bryson saga. Yes. He's becoming so – so much more hateable and possibly more hateable and i'm so here for it because i hate the guy he's such a tool um and to throw your sponsor under the bus the way he did he's a little fucking brat and the way they fired back at him i absolutely loved it they're like fuck they're basically like fuck this guy how do you stick how do you stick with him at this point you don't as, if you're cobra you to don't. be clear he had a bad saturday or is it friday when, when this happened his this, round I, I think this was on friday it, the, the, i know the story was i think it was somewhere. thursday when he actually did it thursday. i think oh, yeah, it was yeah, thursday yeah, okay. but basically the headline was that bryson said that his driver sucked that day he said his so driver they sucked. ran to cobra which is the driver he uses got their comment on it 
And their response included basically saying, the guy's never happy. And they went all out and saying, like, we're grinding our ass off. We've got R&D yeah. guys working nonstop. He, and the guy just is never happy. He didn't just say that it sucked. He said why it sucked. He said he hated the yeah. face. He said the margin of error was, was too tiny. Um, and he, he had to hit it. He had to basically hit it on the screws in order to hit it straight or something along those lines. Uh, and he was very displeased with it. Um, and look, that is – that's – heavy stuff i mean right if if your cobra and and your biggest spokesperson makes a comment like that that can be very very detrimental to your business um it's bullshit and he knows better um of course the next day i believe kepka he was driving the ball pretty well and, and made the comment that he loves his driver just to add to the uh you know the kepka bryson saga um, what a fucking brat this guy is. I feel is. like is and, and not to invalidate anything you're saying about Bryce, because I feel like there's an argument to be made there. Like I can certainly say how it wrong rub people the wrong way. My spin, as a noted person who defends Bryson way too often for really no other reason than he went to SMU is would be that okay, it's his decision with his sponsor. Like the guy also does more for his sponsors in terms of naming them and propping them up. We've talked about this in the past. Like he'll finish around he won like whatever was the Travelers last year and spent the first like two minutes like propping up Orgain, his everybody else that he'd worked with before he'd answered any questions. So like the guy puts in his money in that regard, but I kind of appreciate that he's not gonna give the robotic I just had a rough day. One hit and strike the but ball, to blame blah, your blah, blah, equipment, blah. man, it's it's so sorry. It's low rent. It's I agree, so fucking sorry. I agree, but I would say the difference between him just being like, my driver was shit, as I thought was the quote. And then he went into the details saying, like, this was bad, this was bad, in, in his head. Whether or not that's the reason. There are more tactful ways of saying what he said. The issue I, that I have with him calling out the sponsor, I mean, there are numerous issues, but the biggest one is like, yeah, dude, you're a golfer. Like, yeah, your mishits aren't going to be perfect, and they're going to end up in the shit. And when you're swinging at as fast as he yeah. is, what's the point in complaining about your equipment? He talks yeah. about hitting on the razor's edge all right. the time. Yeah. And there's a reason why people don't come out of their fucking shoes every swing because it's hard to square the ball up that there way. There's a reason that as an amateur golfer, every single time I go up and hit a drive, the first thing I say to myself is, Will, slow down. And like, it's just what I do. And my golf, my driving game has improved since doing that. But I know that if I swing out of my shoes every time, I'm going to end up in the fucking woods with Dylan. It also, <laughs> it also kind of bothers me that he said this about Cobra, which is a brand that doesn't have a big chunk of the market and is right. kind of an underdog. And they need guys like that to speak highly of them. If he said this about TaylorMade, like... Oh. They've got okay. enough cachet to they, be they, ha they already have 40% of the market. Like, it's not that big of a deal. So it's about Tylus. Tylus is going to be okay. Cobra, that's the big, That's like a pretty big hit. Yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from there. I would say that if he's going with a brand like that, then you've got to assume everything their response included, that they're going above and beyond to accommodate because they need a guy like this to be their guy. And I don't think that – even thinking back to whenever it was like Rory – would make subtle comments about when he switched his irons and that impacted his game so much after the Nike golf, you know, they mm -hmm. stopped making equipment. Look at me fucking Look at you. God. But when Rory would make those comments, it would always strike me as like, okay, dude, like stop making excuses. And it took him several years. I feel like to return back to his pre uh, equipment change prominence as far as consistency of playing. And whenever it comes to Bryson, I think because he drove his popularity as being the weirdo who knows too much about little details, like Aaron Rodgers even pointed out, like that just seems like a whole lot of information. Like just because you know the most doesn't make you the smartest in the room. 
or complexity doesn't equal intelligence. He made that comment during the match. And I tend to agree in that regard. I feel like with Bryson, despite all of the opinions and thoughts of like how he's approached his game, he's been invariably successful and consistent at being successful the way he does it. Doesn't mean he should be an asshole. I also have very little to no time for Brooks's like I'm attaching my name to everything Bryson does approach because at this point it's like, it's not even WWE interesting. Like let that guy step in his own shit without you being like, I respect my shoes too much to ever step in shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it makes no sense that we're just like giving Brooks a free pass to latch on and just like shit on everything he does. If you're actually trying to be that guy, which Brooks is not that guy. He's not that guy, pal. If you're trying to be that guy, you shouldn't care about the thoughts of that other people have of you. Like MJ doesn't walk around. I mean, MJ walks around with a chip on his shoulder towards everybody he's ever met. Right, not just one person. It would be a bad look if MJ just constantly in any press conference was like, oh, like, uh, let's say Bird dropped like 30, 34 in this game. He's like, yeah, well, I dropped 37 tonight. Like, who, who cares what Bird did? Like, yeah. it's just a weird look. Like, who cares? And this is the equivalent of like, MJ finishing his game, and the first question he's answering is like, yeah, well, just so you know, 37 is more than 34. Yeah. yeah. Which is what Larry Bird scored. Next question. And like, and Brooks <laughs> like Brooks needs to win something soon in order to back up his, like, alphaness behind – Yeah. With with Bryson. And Bryson needs to do something. I mean, he's, he needs to win a major for sure to continue this presence, I would say. Yeah, it's just – it's. I will say Brooks has been competitive. He's been putting himself in a good position to win. But at the same time, I just don't care what he has to say about Bryson at this point because I can say I can I know what he's going to say about Bryson from a mile away. It's not like it's not funny. It's not creative. It's not good enough to keep keep me caring about it. And at this point, I just don't care about Brooks's takes on Bryson at all because it's very easy to hate Bryson now. Yeah, I'm I'm past the point of my opinion for sure. I'm past the point of expecting like, hey, just fight and get it over with type thing. Like, that point is coming on, and then eventually, if it were anyone other than Bryson, like, you know, let's say for some reason Brooks had this obsession with, like, Louis Oosthuizen, who everybody, like, loves way too much because of his, like, jib-jab size head. Like, at what point would Brooks just look like a bully? You know, you, you don't look like a bully because Bryson's so big and because he's such a huge target, an easy target to make, and he makes himself a target. But at some point, it's just like, dude, like, you got to find another horse. And it, ca- it carries more weight when they're both on top of their game. For sure. You know, if, yeah. they're, if they're finishing, you know, 20, 20th or 30th place, it's like, all right, maybe just shut up and get your game back. Right. And then we'll, yeah, I think then we'll hear from you. 33rd on the weekend. Get your money up. And he finished strong. I, I should say that. I mean, he finished Sunday fairly strong. So, you know, he, he made the cut and continued playing. That's the weird thing I would say about Bryson is, like, as much of a psychopath as, as he seems to be, he doesn't seem to, like, just completely – I mean, he did at what, uh, Masters or whatever it was. Like, when he knows dives, he knows dives hard, but he seems to always, like – it's not like a week-in, week-out, week-in, week-out that he just hits the tank. He, as the aforementioned Roy McIlroy could have been accused of doing. Anyhow. Mm-hmm. Kyle Morikawa, though. He, Colin, you're he right. Was, uh, he was lights out. He didn't miss anything. His irons were just stupid good the entire time. He's got a pure swing. He strikes it well. He's a very just solid, consistent guy. And he's going to win a lot. I w- if he if he goes on a tear, I would I don't think anybody would be upset by that. I don't think it's the most engaging uh, headline of all time that Colin Morikawa is doing this kind of stuff. At the same time, easy now, Stephen A. We've got enough. We've got enough. Okay, <laughs> I'm kidding. We've got enough like like crazy storylines in the PGA that if a, if a nice guy's winning tournaments, I don't care. Like I want to see someone go out there and play 
play his game and and do it and and it's entertaining he's 20, good four years old started his career off with 22 consecutive made cuts only beat by tiger who had 25 he has what two majors in he's got a pga and then this one and is he about to be a problem he's is he it, that guy his game reminds me of Oost. Maybe his swing just reminds me of Oostazen, who also had a, a great tournament. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there, I, I found myself cheering for Oosti a little bit. I wanted him. I, I just I like him. He's he's not a you can't dislike Louis. Soft spoken, beautiful, smooth swing. Yeah, great South swing. African. We had fun. It was a fun. It was a fun uh, leaderboard the entire time. I, I don't think yeah. anyone can can be mad about what the leaderboard is looking Even like. Rob was making some noise. He's sneaking he tried to. in a uh, like five parties in a row. Damn complete year, something like, like that. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Colin, twenty four years old, five nine one sixty. So he's a small lad. Shout out him from L A. L A. I believe six of the eight last major winners are Americans. Something like that. I saw oh. a, I saw a thing about. Uh, British golfers and how much they're uh, been, they've been struggling to put up numbers in the last I think the last twenty five years they've got two majors maybe, really, not a good look. Who would we say? But how many Ryder Cups are they have? Current you know? top um, British golfers: mm-hmm. Justin Rose, Jay Rose, Fleetwood. Fleetwood. We're gonna forget someone very important. Fleetwood, okay, yeah. But Fleetwood's not exactly Pol- lights out lately. Poulter was having a nice run a couple of years ago. He's kind of slipped a little bit. Westwood gave a little uh, – he gave a little life a couple uh, majors ago. Or, no, during the Players' Championship, he showed up a little bit. I don't know. We need Dave here. <laughs> Real quick, uh, before we shift off of golf, um, I am looking for the final team. I don't know if it's been announced for the Olympics, but as we know, golf will be a part of the uh, Olympics in Tokyo. Uh, it looks like the top nominations include Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas have all qualified. Um, so I don't know if that's the actual ones that are going, but uh, we'll be interested to see how dope the courses look there. I feel like if anything, you know, logistically it'd be a nightmare and the golfers aren't going to do it, especially since they have to do their own travel and everything. Um, the U.S. could stand to have a few more international the U.S. the top rankings for the golfers. Uh, Mine was from June, so I don't have recent. Uh, this is the Olympic golf ranking. Okay. Person uh, John Rahm was first, and then the top two Americans were number two and three: Justin Thomas and Colin Morikawa. I would love to see those two go play. Yeah. Maybe they can do like Ricky went and he went to the last Olympics. He got the rings tattooed on him. He's got them. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> that guy. I want to be the Ricky tattoo. Fowler of anything I do, just to make that clear. Like, He's had a hell of a career not winning any majors. Getting the bag at all turns. I'm the Ricky Fowler of Warzone, I'm realizing. Like, uh, not to, we, we bring up Warzone far too often, but uh, if you were to check the win count between Dylan and myself, Dylan's is far, far superior. <laughs> but I'm sure – Must uh, be nice, dude. When we talk about just percentage of top five finishes and tens, like my, my numbers are quite up there. I just – can't close. Anyhow. Dylan's got a number of 10s in his count. Okay. <laughs> I Ooh, mean. Right over that. Obey it and listen it. She's not. She's not a big dipper? I don't think she's a, she's, she's not dipping quite yet. Well, just allow her to, you know, allow us to. She did subscribe business. to Circling Back today. Maybe she's a big fan of the Will episodes of Too Much Dip. <laughs> Maybe so. We don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, have I told you, gentlemen, about the one thing that saves me at work? More frequently than not. No, please do. It's Grammarly. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Your boy can get a little bit verbose 
Surprise, surprise. Great like, word. Where'd yeah. you learn that one? Uh, you know, that was from a thesaurus one time when I was trying to over talk in a paper. Oh, okay. But I have <laughs> uh, learned to kind of cut that back a little bit, all on the back of Grammarly. Most people think that Grammarly is like, hey, I spell fine enough. I do well enough uh, uh, in most of my written formats, but uh, I don't need that. No, Grammarly does more than that. It helps you with tone, helps you be concise. It helps you get straight to your point and communicate in a much more efficient manner. Not all of us are Dylan Shiveries. As someone who used to um, do a bit of hiring and, and fielding of like inquiring emails about, hey, you guys, what's, what, you know, you're hiring anytime soon or whatever. Right. And, uh, um, it would be easy for me to just discard a lot of the poorly written ones. Like, oh, you're mm -hmm. not going to take the time to proofread right. or sound like you know what you're talking about. Like, why would I even consider like bringing you in for an interview? It makes a huge difference, especially in the you know professional world. Huge difference. It's always the first thing that I can identify in, in my own, like I said, my own writing, but also when reading a CV or resume or reading an email from someone is when you get the person who's just scoured looking for, you know, uh, the, the word that makes them sound smart or makes their point sound more concise. Grammarly helps you get all of that out of the way without, you know, quickly, without repeated words or unnecessary words, unlike most of my podcasting. But with the free version of Grammarly, you're safe from all of that embarrassing bad spelling, grammar, and punctuation mistakes, but the premium side integrates not only into the, your Outlook or Office documents or Google documents nowadays, but it'll also pop up on you know any social media options that you have anywhere that you're writing or typing on your phone. Uh, and that is quite, quite convenient with vocabulary suggestions and clarity suggestions on the premium side. So hit send with confidence and get your point across more effectively with Grammarly Premium. 20% off Grammarly, Pre Grammarly Premium by signing up at Grammarly.com slash bang. That's 20% off at Grammarly.com slash bang. Very cool. Bang! It's good. It's not on the board. Uh, not anymore. What a smooth transition we've got here because we're yep. approaching what usually is my least favorite time of the sports calendar, and that is the part of the summer in which the NBA Finals begins to wind down, and you've got a long summer of the boys of summer. Lucky for you, the Bucks have extended this series quite a bit. That is true, and we got Olympics around the corner, but... Uh, yeah, the Bucks are up three two. I've always said you never want to lose three games in a row in a seven game in a best of seven game series. <laughs> it's just kind of your never, general advice. <laughs> you you generally will not win that that series well, if you lose three in, three in a row. You, everyone knows I'm not like the biggest NBA guy. Yeah, I like the NBA. I think they've got some great storylines. I I enjoy watching some big games with some big names. And the thing about the Bucks in this series is that they went down 0-2 and they started knucking. <laughs> Oh and God. I was like, I was like, dude, if they keep doing this, they might be in. If they and continue to knock, eventually they're going to buck. Right. And what we found out is that they're bucking at an all-time high right now. Wow. wow. I did not even consider that, but you're so right. I know. You're it's, so right. It's Who crazy to think about. That Will was going to come in with heaters on a domestic sport. I didn't know knew, that Will knew that. So. <laughs> <laughs> the we two notable things. I think we run into this all the time, especially when we're dealing with like a seven-game series on a weekly podcast. Is you know we met a week ago. I think one game in to the series, Phoenix had won. We were going into game two like that evening or the next evening. And fast forward, and the dynamic of it has all shifted. I think it's pretty safe to say the series. Likely will be over, short of Phoenix stretching it to Game 7. 
Um, we'll next be talking about where the parade will be. And I have no reason to believe that Milwaukee will drop two in a row at this point. The way that the Bucks play, not to bring it back to Dallas sports at all times, reminds me a little bit of the 2011 Dallas Mavericks in the sense that you've got one bona fide superstar earlier in his career than Dirk was at that point. And then Chris Middleton, also high-quality player. Drew Holiday, clearly a quality Chris player. Chris Middleton is flirting with superstar status, I think. I, I would say right it. outside of that cusp. You know, and, and you've got a team that will get down and then go on runs that are like sneaky runs. You know, they'll, they, they won't hit a ton of threes to edge, you know, edge back into a game. You know, Connaughton has played really well, but like dude, it always comes okay, back dude, to edging chill, with dude. this guy. Okay, okay. Always. Do you guys know that I'm friends with someone who owns a Chris Middleton NFT, like one of those trading card top things? Shots. Yeah, he's got a Chris Middleton top shot. How not much to do you pay for it? What are the, how are those doing? Not great. Really? Are they not doing great? <laughs> I'm shocked. I heard if you get a LeBron, they like automatically like got like $20,000 in your pocket. Well, I think there's still a market for like the highest end of, of uh, top shots, like the Lucas LeBrons and you know a couple other rare ones. But uh, I don't know that the market's that strong. I'm hanging so on to my JJ Barea. It's it's not doing so. <laughs> not doing not doing numbies like you thought. Uh-uh. Well, it's because he was on the he was on the sideline at that time in like street clothes, just giving a fist pump. It was a, it was a sideline fist pump. <laughs> That's what you got? <laughs> it was a JJ like, Barea sideline fist bump? It's not ideal. It was dope, though. It was JJ Barea reaching up a little high to very like clap hands on the way into the tunnel, like just high fiving fans on the way back to the tunnel. You love to see that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It was it was a sideline hold me back when someone was throwing down a monster dunk. Oh dawn. my gosh. They, they need dope. to do less of that. And college football needs less of like the kickoff sideline hijinks, and no. NBA needs less of KJ. The, court side i could not pre-celebration i could not disagree more with you <laughs> a, an nba hold me back when your teammate is just throwing down a tomahawk is like one of my favorite moments in sports not just basketball okay yeah, it's hey. so it's electric what's the, was was Giannis's tanky break the turning point of the entire series you gotta think it was so game four wait no game see. three yeah, game three, I believe. Both games. Um, game three, he leaves the game probably two or three minutes in, which Giannis had a hyperextended knee at the end of the Eastern Conference uh, finals. And so people thought maybe it just wasn't holding up as well uh, because game one he was down a little bit, put up 40 and 40 in game two and three. Uh, but he did leave the game early in the first quarter. In game four, he left like a minute and a half into the first quarter, goes back to the locker room and comes back out. Post game, Giannis is asked about it. It's two games in a row. You've left the game early. Um, you know, how's your needs? Everything going well? Some form of that question. He goes, and his Greek accent, which I will not mimic here. Uh, yeah, I had to take a tinkle break. Or I had to go take a tinkle. I believe he called it tinky around here, but it's Yeah, whatever. I was wondering if he was going to end it at tinky and, like, really confirm that he was a verified, bona fide backer. Optimize as well. All three of those things. Something tells me the Greek freak is not listening to this podcast. Maybe not live, but he seems like the type that when he's like getting ready at the hotel before heading to the arena, he's got it on TV, like playing it on YouTube. He's more of a visual listener. Huh. I think so. It's just crazy that like Jordan's flu game is going to go down as like 1A NBA Finals <laughs> moments and Giannis's tinky games are going to go down as 1B. <laughs> Do you ever find yourself having to play goalie and like 
you know, I don't know what position he played in soccer, but ever having to leave the pitch. So this actually came up on a. I listened to that Peter Crouch podcast, oh, the for number one, me I'm not original, the number one soccer <laughs> podcast. They asked like, "Hey, have you ever eaten something the night before that's weird and like you have to like take a shit or something?" Okay. And they asked him, they're like, "Have you ever been on the field and like had to do that?" And, and he essentially just said like. I get why you're asking that question, but no. Like, your body just knows that you're not in poop mode, and you just have to go out and go do it. Dude, why is that? Isn't that weird? It's no. weird. Some, I wake up in poop mode. <laughs> How about this? How about when you, like, you low-key have to have to poop, oh, and yeah. you're driving home, and, like, your body senses that you're within, like, like you're getting closer to your home base, and it's like, oh, and it's like it kicks into overdrive. It just, just knows. It just knows. It knows, dude. Your bowels know. God, our bowels are just built different. Well, <laughs> before we move on and let uh, Will out of this uh, poop discussion, one other note I wanted to make was a dumb question that was asked to uh, Devin Booker and CP3 at the end of game four, or game five, I'm sorry, that just ended, where Booker and CP3 are sitting side by side, and a journalist asks Devin Booker how disappointed he was for Chris Paul, who's sitting right next to him. And Chris Paul just blinking man memes and is like, what? Next question. <laughs> <laughs> like, how sorry for your boy are you? Like, like what do you, you mean? Know, I lost a game too. I'm sitting here like, I can't answer for, my, it's, for myself. It's not like Chris Paul's incapable. Like, I mean, he they're not going to be where they are without Chris Paul. I don't understand why you need – I mean, how many finals does he have left is TBD. Yeah, he was sneaky looking at MVP status. This is a he, shot, they continued man. on uh, game one, game two. And Booker in game three is putting up 42 points and – CP3 fell off, and uh, opinions have shifted there. It certainly seems like Giannis is to run away with that alley-oop is going to go down as like a commercialable or oh. commercial, like legendary moment in the finals, and he stares down the camera perfectly. Perfectly. So The slow-mos of that are just like, I mean, it's porn. Game six. Uh, back in Milwaukee for game six, potentially closing it out. you got to feel like the Deer Park situation outside of their stadium would be a whole situation. They will be – Bucking. Certified. Okay. And on that note, also that game is bucking. tomorrow because they got to get out of the way of The Bachelor. Will, <laughs> I can't thank you enough for well, stopping by, joining the lads. Hero, We've hey. got a couple more things to hit before we get out of here, but anything to say to the people? No, I just appreciate y'all having me. Uh, I'm very excited for the Olympics of uh, Too Much Dip. The coverage of the Olympics is just going to be unprecedented. Wow. And I think, I think there might need to be a, a nice little – a preview of the EPL season when uh, the cal- calendar goes over to August. Do you have anybody in mind for that? Hmm? Any made guest appearances? you got to think there's some bruvs that are trying to put their names in the hat. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. there's been some chatter. Reaching out to uh, football lad bruv uh, Will. So we'll see. We'll see. Thank you so much, Will. Absolutely no it's one been saw real, guys. a knuck if you buck mention on here and it coming from Will. No one saw that. Hey, I, I, I fully respect it. As I also respect the absolute highlight of the party I threw for my one-year-old this weekend. As you know, Dylan, from being a man with a child, uh, one-year-old birthday parties, you know, to a certain degree are for the kids. You know, they're for the pictures of the kids, but really they're for the parents and the adults in the room. There was not a single parent or adult in the room that did not absolutely rave about the quality of my stock of Vizzy. Are you saying it was Vizzy season? It was electric. Everybody's drinking responsibly, of course, but being 90-plus degrees, nothing hit harder than my favorite hard seltzer, Vizzy, on a hot day. Well, it, it's Vizzy season, and it's, it's acerola-eating season. 
<laughs> and uh, we love Vizzy here. It has it it has um, antioxidant vitamin C from from, uh, from superfruit acerola, which everybody knows, of course. Uh, I love Vizzy so much. Uh, they got some new flavors out. The lemonade flavors happen to be my my personal favorites, mm-hmm. uh, particularly the watermelon lemonade. It is fantastic. And uh, what better time to be drinking Vizzy in this than in this hot, humid summer heat, man? It's I have ventured outside of my uh, number one flavor, the Black Cherry Lime, which is, of course, available in the Variety Pack 1 to one of their newer flavors, the Blackberry Lemon. Uh, I'm not going to point out any consistencies in my preferences here, but the Blackberry Lemon absolutely goes. Uh, Check both of those Variety Packs out, or do what Dylan did, because the Lemonade Variety Pack, or the Lemon Pack, Lemonade Pack. Lemonade. Zero grams. I was going to say, what if I told you it had zero grams of sugar? It's almost unbelievable. It's like too good to be true. How did they do it? I don't know. Magic, maybe. And they pull it off. Still five percent alcohol in uh, each one of those bad boys. They're so Solid. good. They're so, if you haven't tried one yet, and you are messing around with these other hard seltzer brands, it's it's because you haven't tried a Vizzy yet. A, Once you try it, you'll know what we're talking about. Don't look me in the eye and tell me that you're that guy. Go to VizzyHardSeltzer.com/wash to figure out how you could be that guy to find your local availability of Vizzy at VizzyHardSeltzer.com/wash. Must be twenty-one and up. All right. Is it time to party? Let's party. Wow. Man, it feels so good. Los Olympicos. Wait. Opening ceremony. Yeah, that's Olympics. No, no, I, no, I know. I get that. They, the opening ceremony is Friday? Opening ceremony is Friday. Uh, events start the next day? Wednesday, if okay. you will. Okay. Yeah, nobody's uh, talking about the fact that they're sending Megan Rapino out, uh, you know, our noted GOAT. Uh, for women's soccer team to start things on Wednesday. I don't know if they play Wednesday, but Wednesday, women's soccer starts things off on Wednesday. Uh, I'm all in on the Olympics because things have yet to kick off, and right now it's more talk about uh, uh, the beds and the digs of the Olympic Village. Check out Circling Back for more on that. Yes, they, they uh, created some anti-fornication beds made out of cardboard. So, yeah, like, like KJ said, we talked about that in Circling Back. We kind of kind of went in on it and we had some fun with it they're um, hoping they don't go in on it on those no bang boxes i love the olympics there's so much fun uh a few events i absolutely look out for every every i guess four years um so much fun can't wait to see who the fastest person in the world is you got a can't couple wait, weeks yeah can't wait to see the goaded simone biles just do goat shit out there <laughs> it's incredible uh i'm excited man I'm I'll, excited. I'll bring down the volume for anybody who didn't hear us i mean it was lower but maybe not as low as david would keep it but I will say uh, we will have more in-depth Olympics coverage here on Too Much Dip, uh, hopefully with the assistance of some other members of the Wash Media family. Dylan, I did see some sad news that uh, may or may not have made your uh, uh, Texas Longhorns look a little soft coming out of the Big 12 Media Day. I got a few things to say about this. Yeah, so uh, coming out of the Big 12 Media Day, who was it that, that made one, these comments? One of the conference official heads. Some, you know. Yeah, some higher up in the Big 12. Um, he was asked mm-hmm. about the horns down and whether or not it will be penalized moving forward. And he said, um, I don't know if it's a verbatim quote, but he quoted as saying, it's probably going to be a penalty if the horns down gesture is made toward a player. Mm-hmm. And probably not, so not ruling it out, in other words, made at the crowd um a few things to say about this first yes this looks incredibly incredibly soft right it's a hand gesture it's not that big a deal 
Um, secondly, while this does make the University of Texas football program look soft, these comments are not made from the University of Texas football Correct. department. They're made from the Big 12. Uh, was there some lobbying going on from inside the Texas Depart- Athletic Department? Possibly. Yes, yeah. But uh, that's speculation at this point, so I, w- I do want to point that out. It's still not a great look. Um, at the end of the day, I think if you're a Univers- University of Texas fan or athlete, it should be kind of a sign of respect that, that this gesture gets so much play. I see it in games that don't even involve Texas. I see it like a Kansas State Oklahoma game. It's like, what are you guys doing? Like Texas is Texas plays this afternoon. Like, what? my understanding or my assumption for the longest, I thought that was just Oklahoma's like hand signal was just the horn sound. I thought I genuinely yeah. thought that was their thing. They, they will do it at games not yeah. not involving Texas, and it's it's pretty sad. But if you're a Texas fan <laughs> looking on, it's like, oh yeah, we're 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 we have you know we have space in the dome here. We're we're gonna rent free in your in your minds. And, and OU shouldn't be doing that. I mean, yeah. At this point, I would say recently the scales have tipped in their favor. But I'm, if anything, I'm glad that rivalry still exists. Petty or not, these yeah. headlines are not. You know, I don't want that sort of thing to go the way of like A and M Texas, where then it just becomes a thing of the past. As yeah. far as on the field, um, fight over these dumb things. Let me also let me also add this. Have you seen Days and Confused? Yes, of course. You know the scene when uh, Benny and the boys are they they got their paddles ready. Mm-hmm. They're about to go round up all the, the incoming freshmen and just paddle the shit out of them. And Mitch Kramer's sister is like, hey, look out for my brother. He's, right. you know, take it easy on Mitch so Kramer. Of course. Yep. And like, oh, Mitch Kramer. Like, yeah, Mitch, Mitch, my brother. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, okay. And then that just makes him want to beat the shit out of him even more. Right. Right? Asking people, players, not to do this, it's just going to make him want to do it even more. It's it's such a trap question, and obviously it's not like the announce or not the announcer. The official showed up with a pre- prepared statement to say, "Here's the case." Right. You know, somebody he was asked, asked a the question, question, and he answered yeah. it off the cuff. I understand that it wasn't an official statement made by right. the Big Twelve. But it, it's it's one of those things where, like, if I'm one of the other teams, I kind of like that the question was answered. Okay, at least we know what you're saying. Your guideline is we know it ahead of time. I'm whether or not I like the rule. I'm just glad something was said. You know, in terms of some sort of guidance on it. But I think that we'll find the issue I have with it. I think there was a penalty thrown when a player did the horn right. down to the crowd, but it was the it was a Texas student section and they aggressively did it to them and they called a taunting penalty. I don't like it is soft, but I don't really. <laughs> yeah, like this isn't necessarily a new ruling. Right. I, I don't I just don't I don't want it to be OK or be said to be OK that like I don't need you doing horns down to my face during the middle of a game. Yeah. If I'm on the op- opposing team, because, you know, it's just going to lead to other fights. And it's something has been a penalty. Right. Like that's a penalty. Right. It, and, and that should be a penalty. And the say. equivalent of you, whether you're playing Nebraska or Kansas or the Mississippi to, State the, or uh, something, Gator, you get the Gator thing. And then the, there's the, a way the to way. disrespect it anyone on the field at right. any time um that's just a way to do it to texas and it is taunting has been a penalty for a very long time so it's not necessarily a new thing it's just that the horns down has become so popular lately that it's like under the microscope you think people should start playing florida state and just like showing up with like pilgrims or something like that and just like <laughs> that's the way that's terrible and it's, it's just so easy to do to do that you know it's so easy to throw the horns down and yeah. another school's hand gestures or it's not it's i don't know i mean at the end of the day it should Texas fans should look at it as a sign of like low key respect. That yeah. It's like getting so much play. I don't know. The whole thing stinks. I hate it. Novel it makes idea. Texas look soft. Throw up your own school's hand sign. Like, I get it. But like, does OU have one? Like, what would they do? Like, do like this over their head? Like, I don't understand. You know, 
And so uh, it's just so easy. Like, oh, yeah, we're playing Texas. Fuck you guys. Horns <laughs> down. I get it. All of it's better than Middle Finger. I agree. Uh, I can't wait until we get the first, like, name image likeness, like, hand sign. Like, yeah. the Wash Media one will not be that you have to worry about wearing Dippy on your jersey. But we just need you throwing up West Side right after. Yeah. Like, throw up the dubs right after you score a touchdown. <laughs> Yeah. Again, <laughs> or the gloves with them on the hands. I want to reiterate: this is a, a comment made by someone in the Big right. Twelve, and not someone from UT. This was not from department. the mouth of Bevo. Yes. Uh, real quick, home run derby happened last Monday. We were pretty geared up about this. We're excited about this. Did it fulfill the level of excitement? You I had? thought it was. Um, I thought it was a pretty entertaining home run derby. Uh, the Shohei hype aside, Pete Alonso is an absolute monster in these con- in these contests. God. He's unbelievable. He's just built for these. Um, I have a problem with the format of the home run derby mm-hmm. now. I don't like it. Um, I preferred the old school way of you getting ten outs, and if you don't hit a home run, that's an out. Because now, because Back then, you can like watch the ball fly and like, oh, how far is this one going? This one is so rapid fire because they have to hurry up and get that the while the one. ball's still in the air, the next pitch is coming. See, so like, what's what, what's half of the screen should I be watching True. here? It's kind of annoying, but um, Alonzo put on an absolute show. In my opinion, the takeaway of the weekend, and I guess it was Monday, Tuesday, not the weekend, but of the All Star break, was still Otani because mm-hmm. the dude he didn't win the home run derby. He actually got knocked out in the first round. But he puts on a show at Home Run Derby, and then the next day he's a starting pitcher and leading off in the game. Like this is so this guy, wild. and he and he was he touched 100 miles per hour with his fastball. That's unbelievable. Yeah, this guy's just a different breed of athlete, man. And it's um, it's in my opinion, he's still the headline grabber, uh, despite Pete Alonso running it back at Home Run Derby, and then you got Guerrero Jr. with the monster shot in the actual All Star game. He won MVP. Um, so overall, a success. It was a pretty entertaining couple of days. Great point about um, not being able to enjoy the actual distance of some of the home runs. I didn't realize that was one of the most fun parts. Is like, oh, how? Yes, he can hit one five hundred. Like, how far is this one going? And you don't really get you don't really get that um, excitement of of watching that. I will say that I I was very happy to not have Chris Berman involved beforehand, but. Chris Berman wouldn't have allowed what happened to one of the uh, batters, a guy from Kansas City Royals. I don't recall his name off the top of my head. They were interviewing Pete Alonso in camera on Pete Alonso the entire time. Pete Alonso even said, like, I know that guy's about to start. So, you know, if you if we need to wrap this up, like, I can jump. Like, he alluded to that. And they just kept interviewing him. Like, yeah. again, he's the star he won or one of the stars he won. I get it. But, like, you can do him off camera <coughs> and have the voices talk about that and then show the home runs. And they didn't cut in until about – Eight home runs in, so that was a little frustrating. Anyhow, supposed to be uh, partying, so not such a party. Uh, outside of the Padres-Nationals game on Sunday evening, there was a shooting. At least four people were injured. Terrible scene. I haven't seen if any of them passed or what's come of it. Just hate to absolutely hate to see it. Yeah. Um, it was in the moment. middle of the game. You can hear it on the live broadcast recording. Um, it just sounds like someone's just hitting a loud, loud drum or it's music from the stadium echoing. And it's just like pop, 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 wow. pop, 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 like right outside the stadium. So that was just, um, you know, a terrible scene. But, yeah, on a more positive note, Tour de France wrapped up. Tade Pogaccia, Slovenian, first Slovenian to win the Tour de France. Congrats to him. Incredible to know that Slovenia's got two of the, nation, the world's like greatest athletes in their sports. 
but sport, but uh, that's the case. Very cool. Let's run it back. Let me uh, find it here on the uh, menu before we do that. How about that? We're not even going to get it because I don't know. It's all right. We don't need it. Yeah. Let's, Let's run it back. The segment during which we talk about what we already talked about. It's kilt season. Will only watches sports that occur overseas, apparently. Bryson is a brat. <laughs> Will occasionally hits his drive in the woods with Dylan. British golfers are mid. NBA bench hold me back sellies are Dylan's fave. <laughs> Giannis coming at us with a tinky break. Absolutely no one expected Will dropping an old school rap reference on our faces. And of course, lastly, it's Acerola eating season. And that concludes Run It Back. Dylan, as always, great work. Will, thank you Fun again. Fun stuff today. Fun stuff. David, enjoy Cabo because you never know how well this episode went with or without you. I want my chips with the dip. That's, That's all I know. Time. I don't want my chips playing. I want my chips with the dip. So bring them dips. I'm just playing.